You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Episode 78, The Paradox. Welcome to The Paradox with your attending, Dr. Eric Larson. He is a practicing anesthesiologist and clinical assistant professor at Michigan State University College of Human Medicine. Listen in as he takes you behind the scenes of what practicing medicine in today's ever-changing world is like with another doctor. The Paradox is a fun and accidentally informative show for physicians, patients, or anyone who has ever found themselves in a waiting room. Welcome to The Paradox. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Larson. Thank you for joining me as we explore the U.S. medical system in a fun, informative format through expert analysis. And today's experts are Dr. Todd Wolin, CEO of Kids Plus Pediatrics in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and his communications director, Chad Herman. We're going to discuss something that I think is really pertinent for not only physicians, but really anyone who has an online presence or business uh, whose reputation is dependent on reviews, which is like restaurants or certainly if you're any sort of independent practitioner of any sort of profession where there are Yelp reviews, Google reviews, Facebook reviews. I think the story today is very important. It's one that centers on a pediatrics practice, but it could be any practice that posts online information about your profession, the field, information you think people need to know that would be helpful from either a public policy standpoint or public health. And not only do they have people who disagreed, but they have people who sought to destroy their reputations and destroy their business. This is a practice that is becoming a real problem in our society, and I don't think it's anything new except just the, the means of doing this is new. Uh, I refer to this during the show as I feel like it's a, like rioters, where there's not a there's not someone who wants to have an honest debate or discussion about things, but wants to just truly destroy you. You may not know the motivations of the riders. There might be a number of motivations, but essentially, if you're the person trying to defend yourself, it doesn't really matter. The key is just knowing how to defend yourself and to be prepared for it. And so today, we're going to discuss the story and also how you protect yourself against this. And I will have resources available on the website. So if there's ever time to go to the show notes, today is the day. The show notes can be found at theparadox.com. That's P-R-A-D-O-C-S dot com slash 078. There you can find the Shots Heard Toolkit, which will help you protect yourself and your business and your reputation online. And I think there are points that I'm going to have to recommend for my practice and for my wife's practice. And again, anyone who has any sort of presence, which really nowadays is about everybody, especially if you're in any sort of professional um, position. So definitely check that out. It's something you should look over and make sure that you have the basics ready, even if you're not 
someone who has a lot of online posting. Uh, if you're more out there, obviously you have to be more vigilant, but it's still something that I think everybody needs to be prepared for. I would like you all now to stop your podcast player and please leave a written review at whatever that is, whether it's iTunes or the Apple podcast player or Stitcher, wherever. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. Written reviews and five-star ratings are most appreciated and valuable and help the show to continue to grow. I can't believe we're approaching 100 episodes. I remember when I first started posting, I had three digits as 001 or 002, etc. And now I'm actually getting to the point where that third digit might actually roll over to one. So uh, I can only thank all the people who are listening to my many guests and to my wife for supporting this, what seemed like a crazy endeavor uh, a few years ago. Finally, for an unsolicited ad, I would like to promote madesimply.com. Ed Spires is the proprietor of this business. It's Crudet's uh, websites. They did my wife's website at alwaysandysmom.com. Beautiful websites, functional, easy to use, great tutorials, very inexpensive. If you're a practitioner and you're looking to get an online presence, a website for your patients or maybe for your business, very reasonable solutions. And so I would recommend you go to madesimply.com to look at possibilities for your practice or for whatever it is you might be creating, because I think you'll be very surprised with the personal, intimate detail paid to your page and your creation and a really slick design. But without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Todd Wollen and his communications director, Chad Herman, in how to protect yourself from an online attack. Enjoy. Welcome to The Paradox. I'm here with my new friends, Dr. Todd Wallen, who's the CEO of Kids Plus Pediatrics in Pittsburgh, and his communications director, Chad Herman. Thanks for joining me, guys. Thank you, Eric. Thanks very much for having us. Well, I'm real excited to have you on. My friend actually recommended me. I don't know if you're familiar with Meg Edison, but she's been on my show a couple times. She's a pediatrician here locally in Grand Rapids, and she's, I guess she would describe herself as a, um, a troublemaker. And so she tends to know lots of people who are out not causing trouble, but sometimes find themselves in trouble. And uh, she said your story is one that is very pertinent and interesting for uh, lots of physicians who are listening to my show and people who aren't physicians. And I think even a lot of it probably relates to people, anyone who has a business and a presence online. But first, before we go into that kind of mysterious background, why don't you talk to me a little bit about your practice and uh, how sort of how you got to where you are right now? Sure. So we are an independent, uh, the dwindling 20, 10 to 20% of independent practices. So we're an independent pediatric practice in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We have three offices, about 20 providers, about 100 employees. We're a level three NCQA patient center medical home. We are all about the evidence, uh, evidence-based medicine, um, fierce champions of science, and really Besides a lot of other things we, that we do, um, put a lot of resources into communications and media to reach our families and, and community and beyond. Yeah, and and that's why I wanted to reach out to you because I think you have a really interesting story. So the, the, the background briefly is that you guys have a lot of, well, you have a communications director, which is very unusual for a, an independent practice. Even one as large as yours is, it's actually quite small, right? I mean, 20 20 uh, physician or, you know, providers is pretty tiny uh, compared to, you know, like a large hospital system. I mean, most people don't have a communications director and which suggests to me that you guys have a unique sort of way of, of, uh, of broadcasting your message of how you practice. So why don't you talk about how you got a communications director and then why you had that? Because I think then that sort of leads into 
the discussion as sort of what happened a couple of years ago. Sure, sure. So Chad's sitting on my left, and I'll hand it over to him eventually. But uh, what I will say... Eventually, the communications guy will be able to talk. <laughs> I'm going to pose a question to your listeners. What is the difference between a banker, a car salesperson, and a pediatrician? And, and no, this isn't a joke. Um, the answer is nothing. They're all trying to convince people to do something, right? So if you're a banker, how can I get you to invest in my bank? If you're a car salesperson, what do I need to do to get you to drive away in this car today? And if you're a pediatrician, how do I get you to comply with this asthma regimen, this healthy diet, uh, or to get this immunization, right? But one thing that we're not trained in, even though we're trained in science and medicine and research, um, variably and all those, uh, we really aren't given good training in communication. And that's ultimately what led me to meet Chad, um, who at the time when I found out about him, I found out that he was a communications professor and uh, was voted a top uh, business communications professor in, in business week. And I said, man, I got, I got to meet this guy. And he coached me. And in our practice, which was started in the 70s, so it's now about 40 years old, um, was going through a transition. And while he was coaching me, I was telling him about our practice and the transition we were going through. And actually in our latest evolution, and when we renamed as Kids Plus Pediatrics, the name, the logo, and our focus on communications and media really were built around um, me meeting Chad and then convincing my partners that we needed a communications director, which <laughs> they fought and said, you know, uh, no, we can't bring him on full-time. We'll just bring him on part-time. And within three months, they said to me, we need this guy full-time. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so there's the, the quick origin story. Right. And and I guess the, uh, so let's get to the, to the story, right? That at least why you've gained some acclaim. Uh, it, besides the other, I know you've done a lot of work on social media and, and you've had lots of interviews, but a lot of it focuses around the story where I came in, uh, came became aware of you. So why don't you talk about you guys are obviously posting a lot of stuff online. So one of the things that that lots of, that physicians I feel like are more recently doing is getting involved in social media. I mean, I include myself in this in this sort of mess uh, doing podcasts, but there are people doing TikTok, whatever the heck that is, you know, Snapchat, Facebook, all these sorts of things. Just so you know, Eric, I am heavily into TikTok. I know, and I actually I said that sort of is that I was just needling you a little bit there. Uh, and I was trying to ask my my daughter about the other who's a senior, and I was like, you know. Do you know this? She's like, oh yeah, I've, she has this stuff, and like, I don't. She tried to explain it to me, and it's, it's really you can't explain it. Like most social phenomena, it's it's hard to sort of define, right? Uh, but anyway, uh, so you guys have had a lot of stuff where you're you know posting things and videos, explaining your the things uh, with medicine, right? Like breastfeeding strategies, or you know why she get vaccinated, or you know you know this that or the other thing with you know sports injuries, those sorts of things, right? And so then something happened. So why didn't you kind of go through the story about what happened? Sure. Just very briefly before we get to the story, though, you're right. We're very proud of the way that pediatric providers particularly have embraced social media in the last couple of years. We are even prouder of the fact that we were one of the first practices in the country to really go all in on social media our Facebook page, our Twitter feed, we're now more than almost 10 years old. We've been doing this pretty much before anyone was. And Todd and I have spent, and this really is important kind of as context to the story, we've spent the last 10 years 
literally traveling and speaking across the country, exhorting pediatric providers and practices, hospitals, whole health systems to get much more active, to develop their voices in social media because of the impact, the power, and the influence that they have, can have, and should have where their families are 24, 7, 365, right? Even if those families come to all their well visits and all their sick visits, and you see them multiple times a year, your ability to influence them is just a fraction of what it could be outside of the four walls of your office. So we have been rallying, we have been proselytizing for 10 years, getting people to do this. And then after about eight years of doing that, it turns out this whole dark underbelly of the ability to be on social media has appeared and we felt responsible for that as well and wanted to kind of help. So here's the story. So as you said, we've, you know, we were into video before virtually anybody else of our own video studio, a production studio, our own podcast studio here in um, Kids Plus. And we're proud of all the stuff that we have done for the last 10 years. One of the things that we have done is make lots of evidence-based videos for our families, for our community, for the country as a whole. We've also done a lot of advocacy work and we've done a lot of work with vaccines. Um, one of the things that we did, we were very early champions of the HPV vaccine, which as you and I'm sure your listeners know is a wildly successful and effective vaccine, but which is also unfortunately for a whole bunch of reasons, both unfortunate and unfounded, nowhere nearly as utilized as it should be at this point. So in 2017, we decided that we were going to make a short 90-second public service announcement video aimed primarily, obviously, at our patients and families, but also at the community and really nationally if people saw it. Because, again, this is a vaccine that is wildly successful and we wanted more people to think about getting. So we shamelessly stole the idea from the NFL anti-domestic violence PSAs where they had respected, admired NFL players all deliver the same script. They edit all of their faces together against a very clear, simple white background, hoping that the power of the message combined with the respect for the messenger moved the needle in their case on preventing domestic abuse. In our case, on getting people to see the HPV vaccine as cancer prevention. So the title of the video was We Prevent Cancer because we do when we give the HPV vaccine. So every provider who was in our practice at the time appears at least once, most of them two or three times in the video. And we put together, again, about 90 seconds of information, most of which had been sort of scrupulously and rhetorically road tested by our providers, largely by Todd in the exam room, because again, we do a lot of work with communication and with ways to, um, leverage our relationships with our patients and our families. And so we knew that two of the messages that really resonate with the HPV vaccine with parents who are hesitant or who have questions. Number one is that it is a cancer prevention vaccine. And in fact, the only vaccine that we have against any type of cancer currently. And then two, the notion that while they think of and are sort of told to think of on social media, the HPV 
vaccine as being tied to sex and sexual activity, the very real simple fact is that it can be transmitted by a, as much as a single touch Right, a single bit of intimate touching. And so, you know, Todd said this is the one thing that really moved the needle for parents who were more unsure, hesitant, when they realized that once you're infected, you're infected, the vaccine won't do what it needs to do if you're already infected, and that it's as little as one touch that can infect you. So we sort of incorporated those messages, put a lot of refutation for some of the more common concerns or questions about the vaccine. And in August 23rd of 2017, we released the video on our Facebook page, on all of our social media channels, and we are proud to say that it was a wild success. Um, you know, first of all, folks from the AAP, from the CDC, from the American Cancer Society, a lot of our peers at, at practices and hospitals around the country told us how great it was, how much they loved it. Most importantly, it had the intended effect with our patients and our families. We had people commenting under the video, how can I get this? When can I get it? Is it at a well visit? Can I come in and get it? We had people literally calling the office after seeing the video, inquiring about getting the vaccine for their children. It was really, really cool. And we felt really, really good about ourselves. It's fair to say that your 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 video on the vaccines went viral? It, it, it is fair to say that it went viral, but it's about to go a heck of a lot more viral in the next chapter of our story, which is when you, in both Shakespearean tragedy and primary care pediatrics, start feeling a little too good about yourself, the universe has a way of coming around and smacking you upside the head. Three and a half weeks later, on September 15th of 2017, the universe smacked us in the form of an eight-day around the clock, literally global attack on our practice, on our Facebook page, on our website, on our Yelp ratings, on our Google review ratings, from inside two different anti-vaccine Facebook groups, both of which were about 40,000 members strong. Um, and again, that attack occurred for eight days because someone shared our video in that group and the rest of the group basically said, let's go get them. Right. And this, at the time of our attack, again, this was two and a half years ago, we were, and we've done a lot of research into this since our attack, we were, to the absolute best of our knowledge, the second practice ever to sustain an attack like this. And again, there have been anti-vaxxers online attacking people and leaving comments and questions and bogus BS theories and links to YouTube videos that prove the HPV vaccine is evil and the world is flat for years. But this was a new phenomenon. The first one was about a week before us with a group in Seattle. We were second and they have continued a pace for the last two and a half years getting stronger and getting deeper and richer. The most recent example that's gotten a lot of press is Dr. Nicole Baldwin in Cincinnati. She made a TikTok video about vaccines and her attack was literally more than five times larger than ours. Um, so these, these folks are continuing these sorts of tactics and attacks, um, which is why we're glad that we have done the work that we are doing. But again, it took us eight days to fight off that attack and we did a lot of work in the wake of that attack, which we'll be happy to explain to you. But the first one is day four of that attack was the turning of the tide 
and Todd was at the American Academy of Pediatrics National Conference Exhibition. It was really good timing for us and bad timing for our attackers. We do a lot of work BAAP with the with SOPM, with lots of national work and with lots of groups. So we are pretty well connected as a group. And so when Todd started telling the story, there were lots of people saying, hey, let's, what can we do? Let's help you. Let's get go to their defense. There's also an amazing group out there, which we didn't even know existed until they came to our aid, a group called Physician Moms Group, yep. which, as its name suggests, is about 40,000 strong of physicians who are also moms who get together in a group. Um, and they saw what was happening to us, and they came to our aid. And when all of those reinforcements came and started attacking the attackers, we learned very quickly that anti-vaccine bullies like all bullies, lose interest in punching someone when they start getting punched back. And so we wanted to formalize that sort of troop, that sort of cavalry, that rescue network. So one of the things that we did in the wake of our attack was create Shots Heard Around the World, which is our vetted, evidence-based, pro-science, digital, online cavalry of, again, pro-vaccine forces at the ready who will come to the aid of any provider, practice, hospital, health system, legislator. We've come to the aid of veterinarians. Anyone who is pro-vaccine who is suffering this kind of coordinated, real-time, and there's no other word for this, terrorist attack on their practice or their social media presence. Yeah, and I think I think it's important to point out too. You know, I think there are certainly people who are legitimately skeptical of medications, of treatment regimens, vaccines, for instance, uh, and that this is um, it's it's not people who are interested in discussion. It's not people who are interested in having a debate or who are intellectually curious. And you know, it's people who are looking maliciously trying to just destroy people. Uh, which is why you describe them as terrorists. I don't know that I'd use that word, but I, but I can see why it certainly felt that way at the time. Um, well, let's let's distinguish and, and yeah, Jack can do that. Let's yeah, I'll distinguish. Really, yeah, between yeah, the and, and, and and you're and you're right. Um, one of the reasons that we created our social media presence ten years ago now was so that we could not just in the office answer questions and address concerns. We have answered well over 10,000 questions on our Facebook page alone since we launched it in 2010. We love giving information. We love answering questions. When those questions and those concerns are in good faith, and you're absolutely right, Eric, it is not just understandable, it is normal, it is great for parents, for grandparents, for caregivers to have very legitimate questions, concerns, to want to know about vaccines, to want to know about treatment regimens, to want to know about everything that we're doing. They should have those questions and concerns. And we are always, and have always been, happy to answer them. Again, when those questions and concerns are real, when they're in good faith, this, what we're talking about, this phenomenon, the attack on us, the attack on Nicole Baldwin, the attack on everyone else in between, these are not questions. These are not concerns. These are not good faith inquiries. These are, and I will use the phrase again, these are terrorist attacks. These are people united 
in what is very clearly because it is neither evidence nor science-based. These are people with a fringe ideology with an agenda that is not supported by science or evidence and in service to that, in an almost quasi-religious fervor and service to that, descend upon people who they view as infidels, who do not believe what they believe, which is that vaccines are the tools of the devil, that there's a government conspiracy to sterilize children, or that big pharma and there are toxins, and you, you name it, all the conspiracy theories, all of them have all united into this sort of coursing anti-vaccine terrorist movement. What they want to do is silence people who believe something different than what they believe. And they don't just want to silence them, but they want to do real damage. If they wanted to just silence us, they would come attack our pages and be done with it. But they don't. They want to intimidate people and they want to do harm. So they attack Google ratings and they attack Facebook ratings and they attack Yelp reviews and they drive those numbers down to the point where they begin to do damage if they're not corrected to the reputation and therefore to the financial viability. And we have heard from practices, we've heard from providers. This is, we've been we've interviewed them. This is what happens. We've heard from providers who have had suffered these kinds of attacks, who've watched their aggregate Yelp and Google ratings go from 4.8 to a literal fraction, to less than one, to not know how to, or that they even can redress those and get those cleaned up on Yelp and Google. And then in the months following those attacks and those attendant drops in their ratings. They've watched new patient volume year over year decrease by as much as 25%. And if that's an independent practice, if that's a one or a two provider practice, you're not just talking about the financial viability of the practice. You're talking about the financial viability of that person, of that person's family, sure. of the, their home, the, their children's education. And these people, we have screen caps from inside the groups. These attackers, they know what they're doing. And they want specifically to inflict that kind of damage. If if that is not terrorism, I don't know what is. Yeah, I do not use that term loosely, but that's exactly. And Eric, oh, if it's okay, if I can speak up, this is Todd again. Sure. If you look at the World Health Organization's kind of categorization of beliefs or uh, stance on vaccines, we know that seventy-five percent of the population in the U.S. is accepting, and we oftentimes now refer to them as the silent majority. The remaining 25% is about 23 to 4%, let's just say 23 here, of vaccine-hesitant families. Those are families with really reasonable questions. Some are really scared of vaccines. Some just need a little more information. We're really referencing what Shots Heard uh, around the world, or as we shorten it to Shots Heard, was created for, was to really combat that 1% or 1% to 2% that attack in coordinated fashion, and often so without revealing their ulterior motives. And there are ulterior motives. There are certainly people, and they play upon people's fear, right? So that's where they get support, and they stir these controversies and conspiracies that, that don't really exist. But what, what they don't reveal is the fact that there's several people out there pushing this because they have ulterior motives to make profit off of this. Don't vaccinate, but use my essential oil. Yeah, sure, or, sure right or politically there are people that take a political stance from more of a libertarian side and say hey big government shouldn't be able to tell you what to put in your body or your child's body and so people will stir the pot to find political gain and finally 
there are people that are just there to stir the pot to create hate. And we also know there's, there's good data and we have academic papers out on people that are purposely trying to stir distrust in institutions, including health institutions. And that's oftentimes from hostile foreign governments. So there's this notion of, um, you know, monetizing, polarizing, politicizing, but they never reveal those, those motives, you know, they'll say, Oh, these doctors are making tons of money off vaccines. Well, that's certainly not true. We know that there's papers to show the, the margin is absolutely razor thin. There's a lot of doctors giving vaccines at a loss. Um, they'll say, Oh, you're a vaccine shill. Well, I'll tell people right up front. I, I do consulting work for Merck or Sanofi. I've been a vaccine researcher, clinical vaccine researcher for 14 years, but that's 0.00001%. You want to cut me out of the, the equation? Fine. I would tell you that most physicians are out there just trying to get vaccines for, God forbid, the crazy notion of trying to keep kids safe from infectious disease. And in this case, with the HPV cancer from, from cancer as a result of that infection. Yeah. I, and I think it's, a, it's almost akin to a bunch of rioters, right? You don't know why they're out in the streets, what the reasons are for throwing the brick through your storefront window. Um, it doesn't really matter to you if you're, you're the, what, the store owner. <laughs> I mean, it, it probably matters at some point. Uh, but yeah. why they're throwing it, maybe there are people who, they're, maybe they're glaciers and they're just going to come and sell you windows you know, <laughs> next week. Or maybe they just hate stores or whatever, right? It's, and that's, that's your, your point, to your point of, you know, we don't know the motivations exactly. If you have to throw a brick, you're right. It gets to the point of, if you're not going to come in and talk to us, then, then how, how else can you respond? Because if you break enough of those windows in that store, the store goes out of business, right? right? And so they're, they're using, and, and again, I, Chad does not use that word lightly, but the tactics used, and, and we're not even talking about the vitriol and hate and the anonymity behind it, but all the, all the people we interviewed, they absolutely display the same exact type of symptoms that somebody who suffers PTSD. They are scared. We've had people buy alarm systems for their homes because of the death threats that they receive. We receive these threats. threats on their children. Yep, or taking pictures of their child's bus route and their school. I mean, so again, when we say terroristic, we're meaning terroristic. Imagine if somebody took a picture of your kids or your kid's bus route and said, I know where your kids go to school or hope you stay safe. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that's used, not just you're going to burn in hell when you're a vaccine uh, pharma shill. This is the kind of stuff where they're actually threatening your safety and the safety of your kids because of unfounded, ungrounded, and, and, and just notions that are out of this world. Right. And well, I would argue that even if it was grounded, it doesn't, it doesn't, <laughs> you don't have any justification for doing yeah. those sorts of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and the, and when I look at your, your toolkit, which I like to get to in just a moment, uh, where you sort of go through ways to protect yourself, I think it's real important for physicians to get online and, you know, whatever your opinion is on anything, I think it's, I think it's important to have a, a robust discussion and debate in a free market of ideas. Right. And we should have it be civil if possible. I mean, people, but, but to just the wanton destruction of people and their livelihood is not a way to have any sort of, it's not a reasonable way to have any sort of discussion and, and whatever your position is. And because I, you know, right now we may be talking about vaccines and people who are opposed to vaccines, but it could be something entirely different five, 10 years from now. Uh, maybe it's someone, there's a anti-chemotherapy or whatever it might be. I mean, there's, you, you want to have the voices of people, of physicians online and you want to have them have a ability to, to give their opinion. And, you know, you may disagree with it. Fine. Whatever. That's your choice. Right. It's, you know, it's a free, free there, country. There's no problem with the debate, right? It could be fluoride. It could be circumcision. Exactly. It could be whatever you yes. want, you know, lead, 
that's okay. You want to have discourse. You want to have dialogue. That's absolutely right. It's one of the reasons Chad, when he came on, told us, look, you are confined by these four walls. You're not going to be able to impart all your wisdom. That's why, you know, your patients and families are out there. And this was 10 years ago. You need to be on these platforms, and which is why we went so heavy into everything, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, um, you know, you name it, went heavy into video with a YouTube and a Vimeo channel. And he said, that's our job. Our job is to help educate, to engage, to answer questions. As he said, he's answered over 10,000 yeah. questions. We're all about dialogue and discussion. And, and you know, it can be contentious as long as it's in good, in good faith. And we may have to walk away disagreeing both parties, but at least there's a chance to show evidence. And Chad frequently shows AAP literature or other sources of scientific literature to back up why we do what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we have done that uh, again over the, over the, I would say over the eight year, the first eight year lifespan of our social media, we had lots of really good discussions with folks who were asking again, good faith questions who wanted information. They come to us to vet things that they have seen elsewhere on social media. We love that stuff. We cherish that stuff. But this Right. This is an entirely different beast. Um, and we, you know, we even had screencasts of people that were contemplating a denial of service attack, flooding our phone lines. We've seen them contemplate yeah. that with other practices. Um, you know, and, and, and again, it's, 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 it's a whole other ballgame. And, and Eric, one thing I will say is that you're 100% right. Physicians need to be out there, Amen. clinicians, researchers, public health advocates, because there is a real scarcity. And, and think about it. Why? You know, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to go on there because it might violate HIPAA. Well, it doesn't if you're not talking about personal health information. Yeah. Or what if they say something bad about me? And I always say, you know, uh, what's, what's your comeback? Is what if they say something good about you? Yeah. And I said, if they're already saying something bad about you, at least you know about it and you can address it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so the only program we know in the country that is actually even training its residents is Nationwide Children's, which Adam and I have done grand rounds twice. One day was a full day dedicated to social media. And we don't understand why more groups aren't devoting resources to this. Because the truth is, it doesn't matter if you have a good therapy for cancer or a good, safe, and effective vaccine. It gets back to the banker and the car salesperson argument. You can have the best diagnostician and clinician in the world. But if your audience doesn't trust you, it doesn't matter. And so it really comes back to communication, which is why, you know, Chad said we need to be there. And unfortunately in 2020, 99.9% .9 of the people creating content aren't health professionals. Right. And, and, and the biggest thing that we have, particularly pediatricians, nothing against anesthesiologists, but the, the biggest thing that we have as pediatricians is a longitudinal relationship and trust. And so when Chad and I are out there talking to audiences about developing a social media platform, it is not with the intention to reach Australia or South Africa, right? The intention is to leverage that trust that you have in the audience and that or in your, in your office, along with that, that community bond, right? They see you not only in the office, but in the church or in the uh, place of worship or in your grocery store at a food drive. We just want you to reach your region more effectively. Yeah. Well, and I, and to your point, I think it's important for all the voices to be out there. And, and your experience is one major reason why a lot of people don't want to get involved, right? They're like, I don't want to have to have all these, I don't, I don't know if I can repel this attack. I don't even know what to do if it were to happen. 
I wouldn't even know what to sort of prepare if, if I thought I'm going to put something out that might be controversial. So that's where I think like your toolkit is super helpful. Um, and I, and I thought in, actually I looked at, it, I said, my, you know, my wife's practice absolutely has to have something like this because they occasionally, you know, you, who knows what sort of random Facebook post or you put on there about whatever it might be. And that someone objects if you get some sort of, you know, group that decides that they want to destroy you. And again, it may not be necessarily a vaccine. It could be something entirely different, whatever. Yep. Uh, that you have to have a plan, you have to have these sort of things in place. Why don't you go over what what it is that you developed? Because so you went through this, you kind of figured out what you need to do, kind of on the fly and sort of when it was done, right? And then you had to sort of look back and say, okay, this is how we could have protected ourselves better, and and how we wanted to help others so that they can say, okay, now I'm protected, and now I have the the freedom to express myself more more openly online. Absolutely. And as I said earlier, one of one of the things that we did coming out of this attack was to create Shots Heard. One of the other things that we did, that was obviously to replicate the cavalry coming to our aid and have it at the ready all the time. And yes, the other thing that we did was to write this, well, we did many things. One of the other things that we did was to write this anti-anti-vax toolkit. But your point, Eric, is an excellent one. This is not just, even though it's obviously pitched toward the kinds of attacks you will get from anti-vaccine terrorists. It is absolutely applicable to any sort of attack you would get on any sort of issue on your social media pages. So again, we were the second attack that we know of ever of these tactics. So there was no playbook, right? We had had no frame of reference. There was no one we could call or text or email and say, holy hell, how do you fight this? I was basically fighting it single-handedly 18 hours a day for eight straight days. And we were lucky, right? We have a communications director. Our providers have me. So they could keep on seeing patients and running the business while I was fighting off this attack. There are lots of practices out there who don't have a me, right? They're the providers and they're the social media managers. And that's when it really, really gets bad. So... I had the luxury, or they, I guess, had the luxury of me being able to fight off while they went about seeing patients and keeping the lights on. But there, again, there's, there's no playbook for this. I was absolutely, as you said, learning on the fly. I was figuring out what worked, what didn't. And I also was learning on the fly in what order the things that worked should be done to A, maximize the defense, and then B, minimize the damage. So as this was happening, as I was losing sleep, as I was angry at the world and fighting <laughs> off the 18 hours a day, I was taking copious notes and screenshots because I was thinking, this is not just a one-off, right? Th- there is something happening here at the risk of quoting a little Buffalo Springfield song. This is going to happen again, and we need to be ready for it. And so when we were all done and when I sort of got over the five stages of grief and came out of my, again, sort of hatred of everything, and we got down to work on how do we help people who may have to suffer this and how do we help people to not have to or to minimize the suffering here, one of the things that we realized was we have to take literally everything that we have learned by luck, by strategy, by accident, by failure, everything we learned across those eight days and put it into a document, which is roughly 80 pages long, 
but it's broken up as you know, you've seen it into segments. It's available for a free download at shotsherd.com. Look for the anti-anti-vax toolkit. It's available to anyone. And we broke it up into three main parts because there really are three distinct parts. How to prepare for, how to defend against, and how to clean up after a coordinated attack of this nature. There are lots of things that you can do. We're proud to say many of which we had already done. This is a matter of course with our social media work, but some of which that we didn't because we didn't think of it. We didn't think we would have to. Yeah. And then how to defend against, right? And not just what to do, but in what order to do it in real time. And I, I use a case study. I use our case study in there. I use copious examples, explain why why you do things in a certain order to help minimize the damage. And I will pause here for a moment as a sidebar to say this is a living document. I have already updated it three times. Facebook just added a new piece of functionality. I need later this week to update it again. As things, as opportunities, options, and strategies change, we update the toolkit to reflect those. And of course, once that attack is over, you breathe a sigh of relief, except that now you're looking out across the battlefield and there is a whole heck of a lot of collateral damage and a whole heck of a lot of bodies and a whole lot of carnage that you now need to clean up. And a large portion of that has to do with your Yelp and your Google ratings, which have now been decimated. We could turn off our Facebook ratings. Facebook doesn't even have the star system ratings anymore, but Yelp and Google obviously still do it. Even if you own your listings, as you should, that's part of the prepare, you cannot simply go in and turn them off. There are different degrees by which you can contest or report those ratings, and we explain all of that in the toolkit, how to do it specifically for Yelp, which is a pretty nice, easy, responsive process, how to do it for Google, which makes you want to pull your hair out or jump off a bridge. <laughs> but it's how to clean up afterward. It's, you know, it's, it's reputation management by another name, right? We're just calling it cleaning up after an attack, but there are experts out there who get paid big bucks to give this kind of advice for how to manage your reputation online. Um, we wanted to obviously make sure that everyone had access to this so that, again, those practices that we interviewed, the people who lost 25% of patient volume year over year for a couple of months because of those attacks, and who would have continued to lose that had they not talked to us and learned how to report those ratings and finally get them cleaned up. We wanted to make sure people had the ability to undo the very real damage that these attacks can do to them. And so again, this, this anti-vax anti toolkit lays everything out in very clear detail. We're constantly updating it as new strategies become available. It's how to prepare for, defend against, and clean up after an attack of this nature. Yeah, and, and that'll all be linked on the the show notes at theparadox.com slash zero sixty or zero seventy-eight. Uh as I mentioned, you know, it's a super detailed toolkit. It's one that I think every practice, if you want to have any online presence, and frankly, if you're gonna have any whether you're real active in social media or not, you wanna own your Yelp page, like you said, you wanna own uh the Google review, you wanna have all the access to fix things quickly. Uh, right. And you have to, and that that requires preparation ahead of time. And so that's something that even if you're a small practice of one or two docs, you need to have you need to have that uh, at your uh, your availability because otherwise, you're you're gonna it's gonna make the recovery a lot harder, right? I mean, absolutely, much much harder. And we tell people, you know, it's it's like a seatbelt. It's like life insurance. You really hope you never have to use them. But when the situation comes, right, yeah. you, you want to make sure you have those things ready. 
Well, and I want to kind of shift focus because I, I recommend anyone who has a practice, and I would even argue probably, even if you're someone who, you're not even in medicine, which I always say about half my audience isn't, if you have a business or something, I don't know why you wouldn't do these things anyway. Because there's a, <laughs> you're, whatever industry you're in, there's people who are out to destroy people for no reason, just out of malice. And maybe it's just one or two people who get some friends or something. I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, but I don't, there's no reason not to do these sort of things to protect yourself. Um, but one of the, the, the challenges, and we'll just talk briefly about vaccines. And again, I think, you know, when we have discussions with patients, I, I think the one problem that physicians occasionally run into is we come from a, we, we make, we belittle patients and their concerns and their beliefs and, and sort of like a, well, you don't know any better. You're an idiot. So just do what I say. Because I think it sometimes gets, you've had been asked the same question a hundred times, right? And you're just kind of tired of it. And some people just aren't good at communicating. As Dr. Will mentioned, you know, just not taught about communication skills. Um, so what, is, what do you recommend for, you, you have a patient come in, a new family, let's say they have a, a, a new infant and um, there's, they're hesitant about vaccines. What are the discussions you have? Do you have a point where you're like, you know, it, if you don't trust me enough with this, with this sort of regimen, then probably this is the wrong practice for you. Uh, you know, do you have those sorts of discussions and, you know, how do you handle them? Yeah, I'll, I'll try and tackle this succinctly. Um, but we know that, um, let, let's break this down, uh, particularly with vaccines, that more established physicians kind of were used to just their word was gospel. They were put on a pedestal. They make a recommendation. It was followed. And so in reaction to 2020, when families, quote unquote, do their research and bring in either ideas or actually papers that they printed up, sometimes more established physicians are taken a little bit aback by that and may double down by just throwing data or even fear. Like this has been here, you know, here's the data about why this is safe. Or if you don't get this, this is what could happen. If you do that with a family that's hesitant, the data, the social science, I'm sorry, communication research shows, those families are likely to dig their heels in. Yeah. So they don't have the best approach. And again, they're not social media savvy at all. So they're not particularly good on that platform. And then if you look at the newer providers and the younger providers that are out there, they're coming out in a world where they haven't seen the actual diseases. They haven't seen homophilus right. or So their relative risk calculation is very different, right? The, the older docs can remember the patients that died from all these diseases and the younger patients having not seen them, but being immersed in social media are hearing all the, the, the pseudoscientific uh, arguments. So if you look at some of the recent studies, newer providers and physicians are actually coming out a little more vaccine wary. Um, the good news is they are good at social media. So if we get them tied <laughs> into the right message, they can do a great job. What I will tell you is in part of the international kind of awareness campaign that we've been doing on this subject took me down to Panama um, where I got to work with the International Pediatric Association. And there they were actually being trained on a module that was put together by uh, Dr. John Parrish Sprawl from Indiana University in collaboration with Santa Fe Pastures Angus Thompson. And they were working on a face-to-face research-based communication tool called AIMS. And I know there's a lot of acronyms out there, but this one I found to be quite um, simplistic and elegant in that AIM stands for announce, A, I is inquire, M is mirror, and S is secure. So let me just take you through this really quickly. If you announce, hey, today Susie needs her TDAP or HPV and an inch, 75%, three out of four are going to say, yeah, go ahead. Okay, that's fine. 
And I tell people, recommend it the same way you would TDAP and So if you just give a quick recommendation and give out the VIS sheet and your families are comfortable with that, that's fine. Um, but say the, the the mom says, hey, you know, um, I'm okay with the TDAP and meninge, but that HPV vaccine, I've heard some things uh, about that. I'm not sure. And, and this is where you inquire. And you say, hey, look, Mrs. Jones, I've known you for, my goodness, for all of Susie's life. So for 12 years, can you give me a little more information? And and eventually, if you can, she can share with you. Well, you know, my sister-in-law posted on Facebook that this vaccine could sterilize children. Well, now you mirror that information. You let her know that you heard her. You used active listening skills and you say, so let me make sure I understand this straight. Your, your sister-in-law posted on Facebook that this vaccine could sterilize children. And, and you can sit with that for a second because the whole point of that conversation there is that she understands that you now know how she feels. And in, in, in the research and in the communication kind of talk, she feels felt. And, and that can open up the opportunity then to say, well, that would have scared the heck out of me if I thought that that was the case. But can I share some information with you? Can I tell you why I gave it to my three kids? And, and that little tool... And, and I've now talked to um, several healthcare providers about this. Going in prepared with a methodology to discuss when faced with hesitancy has really helped them. And I've even used it, even though I felt I was pretty good already, but I've used it when I've talked to families to kind of give me kind of a path to follow. And several families that had that, that disinformation or misinformation, when afforded the opportunity to share their concerns and then to discuss it without being judged, um, I think really was a positive uh, um, experience. And several of them, and the data shows, given a clear, concise recommendation, even a vaccine hesitant in families, about 80% of them, uh, a little over three quarters, will go ahead and immunize the same day with a clear, concise recommendation. The S, the secure, is if Mrs. Uh, uh, Jones says, you know what, I, we'll go with the TDAP and the meninge, I just don't want the HPV. And you can say, look, I, I can see, you know, obviously that's still concerning to you. We can agree to disagree, but I'm glad that you're going to get the TDAP and the meninge. And you know, we can always discuss this on another day. And you secure the relationship. So AIMS is announce, inquire, mirror, and secure. And it really is a good face-to-face -face tool. And we need to be better face-to-face -face as we need to be online in our means of communication. Well, that's a great synopsis. And, and that's a great strategy for anyone who's, I guess, trying to convey any their opinion on anything, right? Not just medicine. Not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. We're trying to open up a dialogue that is heartfelt and is based on understanding and respect. Um, so everything that you've heard Chad and I talk about before this was uh, not incongruent with what I'm saying now. It's just if you're being attacked and threatened, you need to defend yeah, yourself. Right. But, but but for anybody that just is out there and and scared or unsure or wants more information, that's our job. That's what healthcare providers need to do. We need to be better at communicating, both in the office and online. Yeah, Hallelujah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think the more of our voices are out there, the better, the better informed people have. And I think, uh, as you, as you mentioned, you know, when you're confined within the walls of your office, you're confined within the walls of your office, and, and your ability to establish a relationship uh, is much more profound and and deeper when you are visible elsewhere for your patients and for others to see you, which I mean, it's obviously when people listen to someone on the radio or you know, podcasts or television, they feel like they have a personal relationship with someone whom they've never met and, and that they know them well or on some level, which, and so that is helpful. I mean, 
And that plays on the sense of people, what people call tribalism. You have a tendency to believe people who you're already out there online and kind of befriending, even though you've never met them. And sadly, for people that have more nefarious uh, goals, people may be dropping information that's misinformation. But to battle that, it's every reason why we need to be out there. And we need to be out there in bigger numbers to connect to the families that already know us and trust us. And to that end, Eric, I do want to do a little plug here that on March 5th, um, next month, uh, if you know Z-Dog from Z-Dog MD, I'm yes, absolutely. you might know Yeah. So Z-Dog has put out, um, based in reaction to the experience that Nicole Baldwin went through for her TikTok and her horrific attack that she suffered through, and thankfully she was a Shots Heard member, and so we were able to help work with her quickly to help turn that around, but she really had to endure a lot. But Z-Dog had uh, kind of threw down and said, you know, we're, we're done being afraid of these attacks. We need to stand up in unison. And we need to be proud and comfortable in promoting vaccines based on the evidence and the science. And so he's asked that all healthcare providers, not just doctors, even though the hashtag is hashtag uh, doctors speak up. That's the hashtag. But you can add your hashtag to it if you're a, if you're a pharmacist, if you're a nurse, if you're a parent. Feel free to add your own hashtag, but please use the hashtag Doctors Speak Up. And on March 5th, post your beliefs about the evidence and the science and the benefits of vaccines, because we're going to really be wanting to show a great global effort in being able to be proud and feel comfortable about just saying the, something positive about vaccines. Think back to when you were in biochemistry. Can you imagine you ever would have uttered the word, we're going to promote a hashtag? <laughs> yeah. no, not so not so much but boy oh boy i'll tell you what uh whatever it takes at this point i on tiktok i'm dancing for good health i mean on uh, twitter and any other platform i will hashtag for good health but you know really at the basis of all this is there's kids that are going unprotected right unprotected from measles unprotected from hpv infection which can lead to cancer how is this possible in 2020 i mean this stuff was solved in the 50s and 60s and 70s against each of these diseases as time rolls on. And here we are rolling back the protection and watching kids suffer. And this is global. And watching kids unnecessarily get sick and suffer and die. And that's not okay. It's just not okay. And, you know, it's where we are. Yeah, well, I mean, people make the same argument for suddenly communism seems in vogue, right? Because no one's seen a communist state with the millions that die and stuff. So, you know... It's people are people and there are all sorts of things happening, but I really appreciate the discussion. Why don't you tell me aside from uh, obviously links to the shots com to the toolkit specifically will be on the website as well as your practice. Uh, Where else people want to, you want people to be directed to find what you're up to. I haven't forbid it might be the first time I actually post something for TikTok on the show notes, but where do people find your stuff? Sure. Well, I mean, there's obviously Shots Heard has its own its own website, and from what you're saying, you'll be linking to it, which we really um, are thankful for. And anybody that wants to help come to the aid of people that are coming to these attacks, you can join as a member. We will definitely vet you, so you're going to have to fill out a survey monkey. But in um, beyond even Shots Heard, uh, what Chad and I have been talking about about the importance of developing our virtual voices, we really invite people to follow along with our own Facebook. So Kids Plus Pediatrics has a Facebook. We have, a, we have a Twitter page, we have Pinterest, we have a YouTube channel and a Vimeo channel. And Instagram. Instagram, so we can send links to those. And 
And while uh, Kids Plus is not yet on TikTok, I am. Uh, so my <laughs> handle on TikTok and Twitter is D-R-T-O-D-D-W-O. So Dr. Todd Woe, short for Dr. Todd Wolin. Um, I super invite anybody to jump on and uh, follow me. Um, it's wholesome contact uh, content. Um, my songs are uh, that, I, that I do my TikToks too are pretty awesome. But I, I'm all about just getting evidence-based information. I, I, I hope to uh, engage educate uh, or entertain and when i'm on my game i'm hoping i'm doing all three at the same time yeah i don't i like your confidence and dancing skills to get on tiktok i think but um i'll i'll leave that for the tiktok experts and you know whatever social media platform will be up and that'll be arriving about a year or two from now uh, dr wollen uh chad mr herman thank you so much for being on i appreciate it oh, our pleasure thank, thank you thank you very very much for the opportunity Thanks for listening to The Paradox. If you like what The Doc is doing, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And share the show with your friends. Become a supporting listener to get access to special bonuses at patreon.com forward slash the paradox. Show notes can be found at theparadox.com.